Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today are our Liverpool reporter, full-time, both home and away, James Pearce, and our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. Hello, boys. Ryan. Right. Hello there. Hello. Hello. James, now you uh, were down at Melwood earlier today. You were speaking with Jurgen Klopp and you saw him, uh, he, was in, he, was, he was quite feisty mood, wasn't he, a little bit? He, he came out with a little quote saying he's not a clown. And I think he was kind of quizzed on because he he started off saying about how um, how the, you know the mood is different now com- compared to I think he was asked about his memories of that that thrilling four three at the Emirates on the opening weekend and you know and he he said you know of course things have changed that it doesn't feel the same now and I think you know, he, I think people picked up maybe Eel and been a, on a bit of a downer and he said you know usually we associate you with being so upbeat and optimistic about everything and he said you know. I'm not a clown. I'd be, you know, I'd, I'd be stupid to ignore the issues that we do have at the moment. And um, you know, he was quizzed on a whole range of topics. And came out fighting in terms of the accusations that have been levelled at those players this week in terms of the lack of physicality, about being too soft, about not having enough leaders. Um, and you know, to be fair to him, you know, he didn't he didn't pull any punches like he did the other night after after that debacle at the King Power Stadium. You know, he said. You know, he's obviously analysed the game, uh, and they fell a long way short. But you know, it was interesting. He said, "You know, this is he said this is a very different game on Saturday." Um, you know, and I think I think we all know that's going to be the case. And you know, he said about the the areas that Leicester exploited Liverpool. You know, with the long balls over the top, with the long throws, the 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 big you know the crosses from wide areas. Arsenal play in a in a different way. Um, so yeah, it was. He was feisty, um, but also pretty defiant in the face of a lot of criticism this week. I mean, Andy, another thing that he said very early on in the press conference is he mentioned that, yes, we are not free-flowing like we were in the, the opening day of the season at the uh, at the Emirates. That I mean, you were there at the Emirates. That seems like a, an awful long time ago, both in terms of time and in terms of the, the way the, the football that Liverpool are playing at the moment. It, it, it does seem a, a long way away, and, and, and indeed it was. I mean, that was... Uh, you know, first day of the season. I remember I, it was the cricket season. I was at the Test match the day before and the, and the Emirates the next day. And obviously, Liverpool produced that thrill in second half. Still almost threw the game away uh, towards the end, incredibly, and it got very nervous. But uh, and it feels like we've been on a roller coaster of emotion ever since um, that sort of journey that took Liverpool to the, the top of the league. And a lot of us were getting very hopeful, and uh, certainly I was. And uh, and then and then we saw, you know, that that dawning realisation and almost panic really as we sort of started to see points disappear and Chelsea sail off into the distance with an incredible run um, Liverpool are still right in that battle for any sort of place between second and sixth you would say, the problem is in the current form they're destined more likely to finish sixth than second um, that is if you take Leicester on face value Klopp would point, as he clearly did today, that it's you know in his phraseology, it's not a year since we played well. It was literally Tottenham, which was you know barring the gap was two games ago, wasn't it? And um, so he'll know that Liverpool can produce a match-winning performance against Arsenal, um, especially given the results against the top six. But you can't take a result against Arsenal for granted because they've got a hell of a lot of um, talented players. In one thing, James, that he was pressed on quite considerably by one of our esteemed colleagues was about physicality and about whether or not Liverpool are physical enough. I think 
uh, Jurgen Klopp, first of all, thought he was talking about running, the ability to run around, and he mentioned the fact that I think it was 121 kilometres in the Leicester game, but 80% was in the, in the, the wrong, wrong way. way. Uh, eventually, they got round to talking about the actual, you know, making challenges, and, and Klopp made the point that, well, you know, we don't go into challenges to try and hurt players, we, we go into challenges to try and win the ball, and he says, I would never send out my team to try and you know, commit deliberate fouls. But do you think there is something in the fact you saw the way that Liverpool were bullied against Leicester and while obviously it's Arsenal it's a completely different game but you look at Arsenal's disciplinary record they don't have to get a lot of sendings off um, so there is a suggestion that Arsenal may decide do you think Arsenal could decide to try and mix it if they can simply because they'll have seen what, what Leicester did um, I'm, I'm not sure I, I, I think Liverpool match up pretty well to Arsenal I think there definitely is an issue, an issue with a, <clears throat> a lack of physicality um, you, you only have to look at you know some of those games that Liverpool have been beaten in this season. You know Hull was very similar, and it's not you know I know what because I think Klopp meant you know, not having someone who goes around kicking lumps mm. out of someone else because he you know he, he said you know I would never set out my players to do that. But it's not it's not really that is it? It's players who play on the edge who, who you know thunder into challenges who you know and, and there are times when obviously you're going to go across across the line and, and pick up yellows and it was damning the other night that not a single Liverpool player was booked. I think it's. Across the five defeats this season, three yellow cards for fouls in total across those games, and that I think that does that there is something there because Liverpool, you know, they then they I think it's too easy to bully them, and it's not just this crop. It's been an issue. It was an issue throughout Brendan Rodgers's time in charge as well. You know, At least Rodgers would say he had the likes of for the start that was that Carragher was there. He still had Gerard Suarez. Yeah, on, it was Pete players like that. Yeah, and I and, and I think. You know there is, you know, even he was kind of leadership. Isn't, I know it's not the same thing, but it's linked, isn't it? You mm. know that having those big characters, and you know he kind of mentioned, you know, he mentioned Lucas, he mentioned Milner, and he mentioned Lalana, but you know none of none of those are partic- you know, particularly physical. And you know I think, but you know, I, I, will Arsenal go that way? I, I don't think they will. I think I think the way they play, um, you know, I, I think I think is actually. Quite well suited to the to way the Liverpool play, and that's why I wasn't particularly surprised when Klopp kind of, you know, after all, you know, amongst the inquest and the falling out fallout from Monday night, people have been saying, you know, does Moreno come back in? Does Milner move to midfield? And I think Klopp pretty much indicated it will be a very similar team because, not necessarily because those players deserve to keep their places after Monday night, but because what they what well, virtually that same team did against Tottenham three weeks ago is still fresh in his mind. I'd, I'd be astonished if. Wenger doesn't play Giroud uh, tomorrow, mm. assuming he's fit, which I haven't heard anything that he isn't. Um, and not necessarily to go as direct as, say, Leicester did. Um, but I'd be astonished if he, he wasn't concentrating on his team of using his full-backs, to, um, and they've got two very good ones, uh, to get crosses into the box. Um, Liverpool couldn't defend long throw-ins the other day. Um, when James talks about physicality, I think most supporters would take two centre-halves who can clean out a long throw-in or a goalkeeper who will come and um, destroy a couple of people and, and get a punch on it because, you know, being struggling to deal with a long throw-in is is this... We've seen it. Uh, top teams do, yeah, do it before. It has happened. It has, exclusive to no, it, it has happened before, but, but it is the most basic of tactics and the most basic of... Defending is needed to to clear it, you know, a, a decent jump and a and a and a one header. So um, I'd be astonished if Arsenal aren't looking to get balls into the box, and that may not be through long throw-ins, but it, I would 
expected look to try and use the likes of Bellerin down down the sides of fullbacks to get crosses in. And as I say, I'd be surprised if Giroud's not starting didn't the game. Did Giroud score twice at Anfield last season? I seem to, he certainly scored one. It seems to recall he may have scored twice. Yeah, he got two. Yeah, I think yeah, he got yeah, two. Yeah. yeah, in the three-three draw. Yeah, that was a three-all game. I mean, again, another thing that's been mentioned well by me this week, and it's something that I wrote was about Firmino playing as a false nine, and in that game he played as a false nine and scored twice in the three-all against Arsenal last season. But when you're playing Leicester, he just kind of got swamped, didn't he? And I think the thing about the false nine, it works when it's working in conjunction with everybody else. So it's it's kind of a teamwork thing. It has to be. You can't just do it by himself. He has to do it oh, around yeah. around with everybody else working around him. Whereas mm. if you've got a you know a dedicated striker, the likes of you know Lukaku and you know Kane Costa. And, and Costa and Aguero, basically all of the other top seven yeah. have got a striker who can get something out of nothing just by being left up there by themselves. Jan Mulby hit, hit this on the head in his column in the Echo this week where he's talking about where if we can't get the players in and around that false nine and get them the plan, it doesn't just take out Firmino in this case the nine. You'd lose pretty much the entire front four goes missing. He, said, he, he, he was saying Liverpool were effectively playing with seven players against Leicester because they couldn't, they couldn't get anything going in and around that, that nine and so everybody who's trying to to get involved there has gone as well. And he's he was pointing out in indeed suggesting that the that, that Klopp does need to sign a forward that at least there's a very um easy pattern of play if you've got if you've got a, a striker stroke centre forward there who you can play around uh, even in difficult moments just to move you up the pitch to win a throw in down the line, etc. And, and just take the steam out of the game a little bit. We all we all know We've seen great strikers over the years who have been able to hold the ball up and essentially move their team up the pitch. And that's the sort of thing that, that Liverpool have been lacking. Now, no one's, I don't think, is advocating Liverpool go and sign big, big tall, um, you know, giant striker, you know, someone who... Peter Crouch. Peter Crouch, bring him back. Yeah, we're not after a, a, a Tony Poulos type striker, but I think a, a centre-forward who's main role uh, is is scoring goals uh, is Roberto Firmino wasn't necessarily we didn't see him playing this role when he arrived certainly I didn't and I, I don't think anyone who suggests now that they always thought that was where he'd play I think they're rewriting history I think we always thought he'd probably be on the left off a of front three or in a, in a three behind the striker and I think that potential for a three behind the striker next season um, looks like a good one to me James Liverpool can't sign a striker in time for in time for tomorrow, and they also can't pick one of those strikers because Daniel Sturridge, uh, Jurgen Klopp revealed he's suffered yet another setback. Uh, I mean, he's had this virus, which he, I believe he'd lost quite a fair, fair bit of weight, and he's not quite fully recovered from that. But then in rehab, he's he strained his hip, which is a bit of a worry because that's obviously a, an issue that's that's hampered him for on and off for a couple of years now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just another frustrating episode in, in Sturridge's career and the way it's gone in, in the last few seasons unfortunately I think um, you know he would have come back into contention for the weekend and you know obviously that's not going to happen now and it, I think it just underlines that Klopp's options are, are very limited at the moment you know I think you know Origi is, is another one that you know he's fit but he's you know he's not knocking on the door you know he was you know he didn't do any worse than Firmino the other night but he didn't do anything only came on to, to, to stake any type of claim and you know he probably have to go back to, to December for the last time that Origi made a, a decent contribution so you, you think we talk about Firmino's struggles 
but you know, there's, there's no chance he misses out against Arsenal. You know, so you, I think, you think the front three, four are all yeah, going to be exactly yeah, the same? Yeah, I, I, think the only, I think the only change will be defensively. It'll be, I think Lucas will miss out. And then I think he's got a big decision to make whether whether he throws Lovren in after, what, two, two and a half, three days training. Um, I or think does he'll be, he, he'll be desperate he too, won't he? Yeah, yeah, or does he go with Clavan? Um, and I, you know, you'd, you'd imagine that would be a, a late well, call Well, Clavan's always done well in the big games. You look at, at, at United, you look yeah, at, at Everton. He focus his mind better. Man City, but, but, yeah, Man City, but he's another one who, like Sturridge, he's had the, the illness, hasn't he? And I think this is... It, it's, it's, you know, we just think somebody's ill. You think, oh, they got a cold or something like that. But this is these have actually been quite nasty illnesses, haven't they? They're sort of debilitating viruses, aren't they? Which, you know, trying to go out and whatever we think, it's a, it's a physical game out there. And if you're not, if, you, if you're really struggling with that, it's got to be a real issue. So, um, But he's been over it for a couple of weeks, Clavan, I think. So yeah. I think he's a real... He, he could have started down at the King Power. I think Klopp touched upon it today. He said, he said you know, People obviously will point to players playing out of position the rest of it. But he said, you know, the fact is, Lucas was outstanding against Tottenham, so I felt he deserved the chance to play against Leicester. So, you know, he, effectively he was picked ahead of Clavin. Now I think with Lucas having struggled in that game, then obviously, I think now it's a, a clear toss-up between you know is Lovren fit match fit enough, or does he go with Clavin? But you know, I think that will be the. I'd be amazed if there are any other changes <coughs> from what it was in the way he was talking today. So Liverpool lose three-one. Uh, relegation threatened Leicester with no manager in a performance that I think Klopp did he say it was the worst, worst he said season. it was the worst of the season that the team sheet drops against Arsenal which is arguably the most important well, it certainly is the most important game now but it's a very important game for shaping the rest of the season and it may according to James it may only see one change which is one that perhaps we would have expected anyway I mean what does that say what does that tell you I know, I know there'll be argument that the argument that I think Klopp saying he, he keeping faith in the players that did well against Tottenham, but they also did badly against, you know, you could name a number of clubs that they played quite poorly against in the last couple of months. Well, he, he was questioned about this as well at the press conference, and while he, he didn't want to say it, he eventually got round to what we all know, that he doesn't have a lot of options at the moment, and that comes down to squad depth. We've seen young players emerge, but you've got Ben Woodburn on the bench, came off for seven minutes the other night, um, and it, it's on, unfair at this stage to be placing too much emphasis on, on, on what he can do at first team level. He probably you know, in an ideal situation he'd be um he'd have done his he's dipped his toe into the water in the cups and would be safely tucked away to progress through next preseason and hopefully re emerge next year. The fact that he's still sat on a first team bench shows you that um Klopp struggled both obviously the long term injury to Danny Ings, Rigi's out of form, um Sturridge seems to be um in and out, and when he's been in, he, he hasn't hasn't necessarily been brilliant. So, um, really difficult situation for him. Um, but it, the squad clearly isn't strong enough. Um, but also, as he says, he's looking. He's he's parked Leicester, but he but he also, despite that, still looks back to Tottenham, um, the last home game we had, and the team which he potentially could pick tomorrow. Um, beat a very good side pretty easily, didn't they? And it's interesting, you talk about the Lucas Clavin conundrum. It's bizarre that actually, despite his significant problems, shall we say, at the King Park, Lucas could actually be better suited to playing Arsenal than Clavin in the sense that he reads the game really well. And if you're looking at Arsenal 
potentially playing sort of intricate one-twos on the edge of the box, that sort of play. For me, and I, and I suggested before Leicester that Lucas should should be dropped because of Vardy's pace. Um, I actually think Lucas could be relatively well suited to Arsenal and you could make the case um, that if, if Lovren doesn't make it, you say to Lucas, that was a difficult game. I didn't help you out the way I set up the team. Um, but I still think you can do a very good job against Arsenal. Now, James, at the game on Monday, very early on into the game, you made a comment about Joe Matip saying he was already showing his class. I can't exactly remember what it is that he'd done, but by the end of the game, obviously, he was showing <laughs> not quite the same class. And we, In the pod after the game, you were fairly critical of him for perhaps not stepping up and not basically showing... Being the, you know, basically because he was the only centre back on the pitch, wasn't he? So he should have been leading Lucas, and he was, he wasn't the one that was taking control of the situation, especially when it was perfectly obvious to everybody that that Lucas was struggling up against uh, against Jamie Vardy. Now Harry Redknapp uh, did a column that was much debated earlier this week, writing in the Evening Standard, where he kind of was suggesting that everybody got cl- carried away with Klopp, but he did a throwaway line in it, which said Joe Matip is not up to it. Now, no, I don't go along with that. And while I expected you to say that. It is fair, though, to say that it is perhaps time for him to show exactly why Klopp's got so much faith in him and why he chased after him. Yeah, I, th- I think there was two sides to his performance, but no, the other night, I think the first one was, you know, I think when I typed that on the live blog in the first half, there was when Liverpool actually had an OK spell, it still, when it was still nil-nil and you thought they might have just weathered the storm, he was the one striding forward with it, and he is so comfortable in possession. And, and used the ball really intelligently. There was actually that move where you know, I think he would have had a tap in from about six yards yeah, out. Clear, if, I think yeah. Wes Morgan slid yeah. in to divert the cross, and you know maybe things might have been different if if Morgan hadn't intercepted that one. But you know, I, I, I like Matip. He is a class act. But I think I think what was galling the other night, as the game progressed and Liverpool's performance deteriorated so badly, was that he didn't take responsibility. And it was interesting when Klopp. Name checked, you know, when he was talked about leaders today, he said, Oh, you know, we've got Milner, we've got Lucas, um, Lallana was, the, other was one, yeah. the, the third one that he, he mentioned. And, you know, to be honest, I, I, I think that was almost told you everything you need to know at the moment that he doesn't see Matip as that kind of leader. But, you know, he's a big strapping centre half. He's played in World Cup finals, he's played, you know, he's bought 200 plus Bundesliga matches. You know, and yeah, I think the frustration the other night were, was that when it was unravelling and Lucas was getting left exposed time after time, he didn't use his own, you know, nous to say, you know, I'll follow Vardy, you know, you be, you, you mop up, you do the, you, you do the other bits and pieces. So, and I think that just shows that, you know, Matip either, you know, he has to either grow into that role and become more vocal, or he needs a much more, you know, a commanding presence alongside him and. To be fair, I think Lovren and Matip have actually done pretty well as a partnership mm. this season. The issue has been they haven't been neither of them have been fit enough. And, you know, I think I think it's twelve matches they've played together, which is is crazy when you think what well, the twenty twenty six league matches and probably I don't know, they played so, about thirty two so, games, haven't they? Yeah. yeah so yeah. you know that is that's pretty damning the fact that that Klopp hasn't been able to to field his first choice partnership more than that. And you know when you think. Someone like Jamie Carragher would miss five or six games over the five or six years. Um, so you know, if if neither of them are going to be robust enough to, to build a team around, then you know, I think that just underlines why Klopp has to be in the market for a, a big centre half come the summer. Andy, uh, 
going back to the Arsenal game at the start of the season, again, the team sheet drops, and there's Jordan Henderson. You, you think, oh, where's he going to be playing? And he's playing at the, you know, in, in basically a defensive midfield role. And I think most of us are thinking, you know, Klopp's lost his mind here a little bit. This is not what Jordan Henderson is good at. He should be playing further forward. He's more box to box. He scores good goals. He's not somebody who's who's going to be shielding the the back four and and playing the role of of what Christian Walsh likes to call the number six. Now, fast forward to today, we we know that Henderson's not playing, and he's taken to that role so well that suddenly you're thinking, oh, what are Liverpool going to do here? We know what the midfield's probably going to be. It's going to be. Emery Chan, Wijnaldum and Lallana. Uh, Arsenal do love to play through midfield. That's where the you know the, the main hub is. You know, Wenger loves his, his midfielders. Is this where the game's going to be won and lost? And if it is, which of those three is going to be the key man for, for Liverpool, do you think? Oh, that is a tricky one. I mean, you would imagine that Emre Chan will get the, the sixth role, if you like, the defensive midfielder role, because... We know Wijnaldum is someone who can, um, more than Chan, can get a goal at the other end and has got important goals this season. Uh, and we know Lalana can certainly do that, though, without jumping on the same old Lalana thing. I, I still think he doesn't get enough for his mm. talent. Um, so I think it has to be a three. I don't think you can pick one of them out. I think Lalana can set the tone with his work rate. I think um, Chan needs to set a tempo and a better tempo than he often does set. And Wijnaldum, we know. Um, has surprised us all by how much of a defensive player he can be. Uh, he's won a, a, some incredible headers in his own box this season. One of them. Often you often see him win a header, and you go, you don't expect him to do it, but he does it in both boxes. Uh, obviously, he had a terrible game on Monday. Wijnaldum. He followed up his best game for Liverpool with by far his worst, I would say, and um, that, that's something that he'll want to put right. Um, we know he's a renowned. He came to us as a player who was renowned for being better at home in terms of obviously uh, his goal scoring. I think that record still stands at Liverpool, doesn't it? Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't away. scored away yet, so we can expect a better performance from him. But my worry for that match up and where this game will be won is that we all assume that Liverpool will just be better because it's a top six side and we it works out. But at some point, I think I used the phrase today. You go back to the well too often, and it's, you cannot, you cannot depend on always beating the best sides because the best sides have too much quality in them. At some point, one of their players can produce a moment of magic, or two or three of their players can produce a magnet, a moment of magic in twenty minutes, and you're gone in the game. Now Liverpool just have to make sure that that doesn't happen, uh, and that they, uh, I'd argue, Liverpool need these points more than Arsenal. Um, uh, we played a game more than them now, haven't we? I think, yeah. and, and they're, they're ahead of us, and so it's, and, and we're at home. Um, of these twelve games left, we've got seven at Anfield and five away, and those seven at Anfield, Liverpool have to be looking to take maximum points out of. I think. James, given that what we've mentioned about the the false number nine and the way that the forwards operate together, and what Andy's just said about the the midfielders and they all have to operate together, do you believe that maybe there isn't a team in the Premier League that has to be more like a team? To get the best out of themselves than Liverpool, because you look at City, you know, they can turn to like yeah, Aguero yeah. Or, or De Bruyne or, or, or Ryan Sterling can pull something out. United have got Ibrahimovic again. But I know we're going mainly back to the strikers again, but they have got other players. Liverpool, Andy just mentioned then about Arsenal could have two moments of magic and win the game. That's exactly what Liverpool did against Tottenham with with Mane. Mane's probably the one, but 
going back to my original question, are Liverpool more dependent on the team ethic than any individual brilliance than any of the other teams in the top six? Yeah, 100%, I think. Yeah, I think, which, and funny enough, earlier on in the season, that was seen by many, and, and I remember writing about it as a strength, because it was like, this it's so difficult to stop this Liverpool team because, you know, they've got so many different match winners, and obviously now the way that things have unravelled, you look at it and go, well, actually, the fact they haven't got a 20-goal-a-season-plus man is actually an issue, because when when you're not playing particularly well as a team, you need you need someone who's going to be able to to deliver and make make that kind of that difference in in tight games. And I think you only have to look at you know Liverpool haven't won many games have they this season where you've come away and thought didn't play well but got the job done. You know they they do have to play well as a unit and function because also as we've seen in in games where they haven't fired going forward, say you know, like at Hull and, and and obviously at Leicester the other night because they don't have the ability to keep clean sheets, to, to keep teams out. And that's, that's been the infuriating thing, which you know, it, it didn't really matter so much when the goals were flowing back in the autumn. But you look at the goals that Liverpool have been conceded, you know, they're, they're not getting undone by you know, brilliance in terms of attacking play. As Andy touched upon earlier, you know, it's, it's, it's the things that are causing problems are, are basic things like balls being slung in from wide areas, throws, corners... You know, not not reacting quick enough. You know, even drink water strike the night, brilliant strike. But you know, you know the defensive header is into the middle of the you know, middle of the the penalty box, and no one is is anywhere near drink water when he hits that. So yeah, I think that is that is a big issue. The fact that Liverpool have to play well as a team um, in order to win games, and then when it doesn't function as a unit, you know, th- there seems to be an issue with. You know where where you would see you know Steven Gerrard did it dozens and dozens of times in his Liverpool career, where he would grab a game by the scruff of the neck and say, "This is not going for us, but I'm going to make the difference." They don't have anyone of that caliber to do that. You know, I thought Coutinho was maybe reaching that level where he was almost in that in that category, but since he's come back from his injury, he hasn't come close to hitting the the heights he was at back in uh, you know September October time. It's yeah, it's the it's the this the unbelievable sort of um, strength that having a 20 25 goal strike it gives you it gives you this um, th- this ability to not be at your best and get out of the hole when you need it and uh, um, the, the, they they can really deliver that and what as you say what Liverpool don't have at the, at the moment is is something like that what they've got is a team that needs to be playing relatively well. Um, I mean, the other angle of it is that when you're, and this was again, Jan Moby, I thought, very, uh, dealt with very well in his column in the Echo this week, was about when you're playing well, you can sort of play anywhere. In Jan's words, you could play on the moon. But he says, when you're not playing well, if you've got players who are playing out of position, like, for instance, Milner and Lucas, they're always looking around thinking, what, what, where should I be? What should I be doing? Because when the team is struggling, and uh, that's what we're seeing at the moment. Uh, we'll come back to Arsenal to finish shortly. Uh, but as the press conference was going on, Andy, some news was breaking from Saudi Arabia, wasn't it? Of which we got mildly enthused about. I mean, as what enthusiast- was it all about? As excited as, I've, as you and I uh, <laughs> get, get in. Yeah, um, it, it was an announcement in, in Saudi Arabia from uh, the Al Nasser Club, which is probably the one Saudi Arabian club that, that people have heard of if, if 
are unsure how to spell like myself. But um, they made a, <laughs> yeah, um, they made an announcement that their president, who's a chap called His Royal Highness Faisal bin Turkey, um, he um, is the grandson, former um, Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. Um, he's got a few bob. Um, he was coming to Anfield um, to make a quote investment announcement. Investment agreement. Investment agreement. So sorry. Yeah. So and it would be announced at Anfield. Um, so we know that, uh, and James has reported before in his conversations with Tom Werner, that FSG uh, Liverpool owners are open to the idea of potential minority investment into the club. Um, so. The, the issue was what this investment that was to be announced was going to be. And um, we don't know, but uh, James has been able to find out a, a little bit more about that. And perhaps not as exciting as it potentially first sounded, but who knows where these developments can go. Bad news pace again, isn't it? <laughs> Shattering dreams. Hello, yeah. I mean, James, we, we, I mean, we've spoken about investments in the past many times. That's why fans get so excited about it all. But, you know, is this... From what you're understanding, it's not perhaps going to be quite as exciting as people thought. No, I mean, from from what I've been told, it's that there's representatives from the Saudi royal family will be at the game on Saturday as guests of, of New Balance, obviously Liverpool's kit suppliers, um, and that any announcement that they've got planned will be linked to their relationship with New Balance as opposed to, you know, I think when people saw that, they probably would have thought maybe minority ownership in the club because, Andy, as Andy said, you know, FSG have always said that would be something they'd be open to. Um, even at times where they've you know, been adamant that talk of a, you know, a Chinese takeover and all the rest of it was was utter rubbish, they've you know, they've left the door open for uh, for the, for a, a small a small stake being being sold off. But no, from what I've been told, that's that's not the case. Who knows? Maybe maybe the Saudis will fall in love with the place and and make them a, make them an offer if, uh, next week. If they like the new main stand, they've who been, knows? Yeah, perhaps they might want to make the Anfield If yeah, the, vol- yeah. the Volavons are up to scratch. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll finish then, going back to the Arsenal game. James, do you feel as though this is the last time we will see Arsene Wenger managing Arsenal at Anfield? Yeah, I think so. I think it'd be his 50th game against Liverpool as well, wouldn't it? So you'd imagine it'd be... Yeah, I think it feels like it's coming to an end. Um it's a bit of a crazy situation, isn't it? Where you know, yesterday he was being asked about would he take the Barcelona job, which you know, and you think it's at a time where you know you feel like he's almost being hounded out by a section of supporters. Which I do, I do, I've, I've got, I, I really like Wenger and huge respect for him, and I do. It's quite distasteful some of the stick that he gets when you know when you talk about you know, the, the, how many years is it in a row they've. That is, you know, and when you think, you know, he was <coughs> restricted as well at the time by you know, the building of the Emirates and the paying off of it, you know, he, what he's achieved there has been been remarkable, and the, the style in which they play as as well. But it, yeah, it does feel like it's reaching a, an end. I'd, I'd be surprised, very surprised, if he stays on um, past this season. Um, and yeah, just let's just hope he doesn't. Wave goodbye to Anfield in style. And is this his last game? Yes, no. Yes, though he does say he's going to manage somewhere. I think next season. He could could be back with Barcelona in the Champions League next (laughs) season. You never know. Final thing, then, it's the big game, James. You know I'm going to ask you. Um, Well, I'll ask you what score Liverpool going to win because I knew you'd say they're going to win. Oh, hang on, he's easy. No, no, no. no, no, Do you know know what? I genuinely think they were like Andy. I'm a bit worried because everyone I've spoken to this week is convinced Liverpool will just beat Arsenal. 
because they just and, and then probably not beat Burnley next weekend because that is Liverpool this season. But you know, I, I do think that Klopp will get a reaction out of them. Um, I think it's a good fit the way that Arsenal play. I think it'll suit Liverpool. Home advantage as well under the lights at Anfield. You know, I think we saw you know that against Tottenham a few weeks back. Um, you know, I think this fixture's had more goals after the 90th minute than any other in Premier League history. I think it's 16. So it'd be definitely worth sticking around to the end. Um, Just as well, it's a half five kickoff then, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, Thanks, yeah, I, I, Do you know what? I think it will be lively. I, I'm going to go Liverpool three two. Oh, Andy. Yeah, I'm, I know. I, I'm generally very positive on these things, but uh, I, I think there's been a, a lot of draws and uh, between Liverpool and Arsenal, a lot of scoring draws. I can see it. Could easily see a replication of last season's two all or, or one all, but uh, I do think Liverpool will follow up with a proper hammering of Burnley next week because that one's personal. I think. Interesting, interesting. Um, well, I think that should do us. Uh, for the record, I think it'll be a draw. Uh, join us next week where we will look back at hopefully a Liverpool victory. See you then. <laughs>